pummeling Big Ten defenses before you're able to buy cigarettes? That's mind-blowing. Although, I don't... Don't you have to be 21 to buy cigarettes now? Biden's America. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. It's the Wisco Sports Show coming to you live on a Tuesday. My name is Grant Bills. Packers stock sale today. Stock costing $300. So our question, and I'm going to open the phone lines, open phone lines, love to hear from you. What's the silliest thing you've ever spent $300 on? Let me know. 608-796-25. If I if I ever start a show like that, I want you to turn off the radio. At that point, I will have lost it, and it will just be sad. And I don't want you to listen to me anymore if I start doing things like that. The Packers did sell stock today, so congrats to any new owners out there. Congrats. It's a big step. I think it's super cool. And yes, call yourself an owner. You're an owner. And if somebody tells you, you know, you're not really an owner. Yeah, well, you know, you're not either, but you are really annoying. So leave me alone. I saw so many people on Twitter today. You know, it's not real stock. You can't sell it. Okay. We'll get it. Go away. You're annoying. Packers fans love this. This is cool. This is fun. So congrats to any new owners. I announced yesterday, if you missed this announcement, I, I reiterated this on Ebo's show this morning. Ben and Zach were hosting. I said, I'm not going to buy stock. Uh, Because I want to retain my journalistic integrity. Not because I don't have $300. That's not it. No, 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 no. I'm immensely wealthy. um, And own lots of crypto. And oh yeah, I make smart investments. I'm rich beyond your comprehension. But it's journalistic integrity. That's the thing that's holding me back. That's it. That's the only thing. You got it. This is the Wisco Sports Show. We're not going to talk about Packers stock. Unless you bought stock and you want to call me and tell me about it. I'll listen. But I did not plan some long conversation with witty jokes and analogies to talk about Packers stock today. So if you want to talk about it, you're going to have to bring it to the table. 608-796-2558, the talk and text line. You can tweet me and follow me at Wisco Grant. I got a tweet from Andy, who is listening in. Andy, are you in Altoona or Augusta? Altoona, go rails! Love Altoona. The River Prairie District is a shining beacon of development in the beautiful Chippewa Valley. Um, So I appreciate your tweet. We're debating a little bit the top of the NFC and quarterbacks, right? Because last night the Rams lost, and I'd like to bring that up and talk about that. That was the big game last night, and as we reset the show here at 5 o'clock, I'd love to get into that for a couple of minutes. But it started this debate on whether Stafford or Kyler Murray, Stafford or Brady, Stafford or Dak. I think it's a slam dunk. I think it's open and shut. Even take Aaron Rodgers out of the equation, so we're not dealing with that bias. I think Stafford is way below Dak Prescott. I think he's below Brady. Kyler Murray, I guess I'd hear you out. I think healthy Kyler Murray is one thing, but the problem is is he hasn't been healthy down the stretch. So sure, if you want to argue Kyler, I think it's a slam dunk. I'd way rather have Dak or Brady over Stafford. It's kind of become a debate on Twitter, and if you want to go jump on the pig pile, you can. 608-796-2558, or excuse me, on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Last night was outstanding. And after a really bummy Thursday night game, I was really excited to get into this because Ravens-Dolphins last week didn't really give us much to chew on on Friday. But this game, last night's game, did. And it was always going to because last night's game for us, fans of NFC teams outside of the NFC West, 
without much to win or lose last night, this is going to be a win-win for us. Either the Rams lose, and it's funny, because the Rams just traded for OBJ and traded for Von Miller, and they're the all-in team. That's great. Or the Niners lose, and it's like, man, is Kyle Shanahan bad? The Niners would then fall to, they were 3-5 and five coming in, so they'd have fallen to 3-6. and six. They're now 4-5 and five after winning last night. But we'd talk about Kyle Shanahan, like, is he... See, really, the guy, I get that he knows offense and he's a great offensive mind and play caller, but what about everything else? What about coaching and talent acquisition and player development? Can he do that? And Jimmy G, we haven't seen Trey Lance yet? What the hell? Like, either outcome from last night's game is going to be great for us, the impartial fan of other NFC teams. But I think the win that we got last night, that was the best possible win, the best possible outcome that we could have gotten. I think this was perfect. Because not only did the Rams lose, but the Rams got embarrassed. Which is good for the Packers, because the Rams now go to 7-3, and three, and that helps the Packers in the seeding. And they lost out on OBJ, so it looks funny, because OBJ chose the Rams over the Packers. But it's also just really funny from an entertainment standpoint. The Rams got embarrassed to the point where fans were watching last night and thinking, wait, this team is supposed to be the all-in team? The super team? traded all their future picks and added everyone possible for one run at the Super Bowl this year. That's that's this team. This thing, can't even beat the Niners. Can't even hang with them. The Niners, the three and five Niners who just lost to Colt McCoy. This is a team? Oh, oh, it's great. It's so juicy. It's terrific. Defensively, the Niners marched up and down the field. Death by a million cuts. And Jalen Ramsey's the best corner in football, but they never put him on Debo Samuel, which is great. Debo had 100 yards receiving, a bunch of yards rushing. He finished with 40 yards rushing on five carries. Oh, it was excellent. Chef's kiss, right? Rams defense, like I said, died a death by 1,000 cuts. Very slow and painful to watch, I'm assuming, for Rams fans. I didn't even notice Von Miller out there. Stafford is making plays that I didn't even understand. There's one play where he started to run at the end zone. He crossed the line of scrimmage. Seemed like he had a path. And then he turned around and went backwards and then still threw the ball, which is a penalty. And I'm like, wait, Matt Stafford, what are you doing? He had two interceptions. He could have had four or five by my count. He was just not good. Sean McVay's yelling into his play sheet. He's calling fake field goals that don't even come close. He's getting ticked because he's owned by Kyle Shanahan, who, like I said, just lost to, <laughs> just lost to Colt McCoy. Like, oh, it was great. It was funny. Screw the Rams. That's why the NFL is the best. As soon as the team gets too high and mighty, too cocky, they uh, come crash down to earth. Because that's how ruthless the NFL is on a week-by-week basis. Let's go to the phones. Dave and Monona. What's up, Dave? Do you have some hot Matthew Stafford take? Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, how's your back? I mean, I know everybody's worried about it. You're the only guy who strains his back in a hamstring shaking maracas in a bar on his stage. So <laughs> you're, we're, not, we're not worried about you. You're actually the only one that's seemingly worried. It hasn't come up today. It's a little bit better. I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm a, t- I'm a tough old bird. Yeah, most people are wondering, wondering how a guy stands on a stage shaking maracas can pull a hamstring, but someday you'll have to share that secret with the rest of us, you know. Yeah, well, for a slow news day, I'll, anyway, I'll tell the story. Yeah, no kidding. No, before the Packer one, before the uh, quarterback, yeah, all I got to say to the Packer fans who buy stock is probably want a cracker. <laughs> probably want a cracker. You're t- Those are pigeons. You're telling Those me. Those are absolute you're pigeons. T- you're telling me there's nothing dumb that you've just bought because you want it? Like, sure, the stock isn't worth anything. You can't trade it. It doesn't mean anything. Well, we've all done that. I mean, I mean, we've all spent, you know, 300 bucks or, or 200 bucks or 100 bucks on something stupid. I mean, yeah. but to, to buy something, well, see, 
at least if I buy something for 200 bucks, I get to use it or abuse it or give it to somebody. You get value out of it. This is a piece of paper where you get zero value. Uh, now, for all you Packer fans, I, I, I'm going to start a new business. It's called You Call Me Up. And you can buy a star, and I'll let you name it. <laughs> yeah, you made that. You made that comparison yesterday. It's funny, Dave. The value yeah, it's but, it's it's intrinsic. Is that is it like is that? Am I using that word correctly? No, I, I googled up. It's know, not. It's no like value. it's personal value. It means something to the person who buys it. And that's what matters. Well, those are idiots. But as far as quarterbacks, <laughs> okay. there's only one quarterback. People, this is not even a discussion. You know, last night I can't. Oh, oh, wait, last night's quarterback's a clown. He couldn't win in Detroit. Murray can't stay healthy, and, and and Zach, you know, hey Zach, why don't you play a whole season before you know pretending to be somebody? And Rogers one in five, the, the man who's been to nine Super Bowls, yeah. and then I hear, well, it's the system. No, people, it's not the system, you moron. The coach doesn't have the ball in his hand. Brady has the ball. He's making slick decisions. He's got five hundred pound guys around him. It's never the system. The system's an excuse for people to say he's good or bad. Tom Brady is the true GOAT. I mean, I'm not sure why anybody's comparing. It's Tom Brady. It's kind of like comparing you. Do we want you or do we want Evo? <laughs> well, lately, we want you. Yeah, yeah, that's what we love. Well, that's, that's my point, Dave. Like, Stafford's fine, but I don't think he's better than Dak or Brady. Maybe Kyler Murray because he can't no. stay healthy. Maybe. Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott is great. Dak Prescott's excellent. He's super good. Come on. Yeah, when he's healthy, and he hasn't been healthy. As far as the Rams, the Rams have mortgaged their future. Mm-hmm. In about two more years, when these deals these deals end up, they have no draft picks. Yeah. I mean, they've mortgaged the future. But the Cowboys, it, it, it won't matter how good he is. they got Mike McCarthy. How many games has he choked to winning the playoffs? <sighs> as many, almost as many as Matt LaFleur. Yeah, I was going to say. Just you're... Put a muzzle on Matt LaFleur, my, <laughs> hey, we just put a muzzle on Matt LaFleur and just have not say a word in the fourth quarter, we could go back to a Super Bowl this year. Well, you're critical of everyone. It was interesting to hear you be positive about Tom Brady. That was actually a nice side of you, Dave. I enjoyed that. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like evil. Evil can't carry your jock. We all know that. Or in your case, ye- yellow short jock. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. I'm going to let you go. Have a good one. And he's going to hang up. All right. I appreciate that. Stafford is not no. I, I will hear you with health about Dak though. I think sometimes that's what we think about. Forget the forget the ankle injury from last year. That's a freak injury. That's a freak accident. He's got the back or whatever's dealing with him, and he had the shoulder thing in camp. So yeah, yeah, that's a fair criticism. But if Kyler and Dak are all perfectly healthy and Brady's perfectly healthy, I'm taking all of those guys over Matt Stafford. And this isn't a slander on Matt Stafford. This is more a slander on the Rams. Because the Rams gave up everything to get Matthew Stafford. Remember, they traded Jared Goff to get Matthew Stafford, too. And remember, they had a bunch of picks invested in Goff because they traded up to get him. So all in all, for Matthew Stafford, they invested four first-round picks, two second-round picks, and three third-round picks. Is there a quarterback in the NFL that you would give that up for right now? Think about it. Packers fans. If you could get Patrick Mahomes for your next four first-round picks, your next two second-round picks, and your next three third-round picks. Would you do it? Would you do that for Patrick Mahomes? I, I think with Mahomes, maybe you might have to, right? He's so good, you you pay whatever price. But other than maybe Mahomes, and that's assuming that he gets back to his superhuman ways that we saw last year and this year has been a little bit fewer and far between. That number is absurd. It's absurd for even Patrick Mahomes. It's insane for Matthew Stafford. He's not that good. And once again, 
I hate to be this guy, but I need to I need to put this in perspective, right? Matthew Stafford was not brought in to make the Rams pretty good. He wasn't brought in to make the Rams okay. He was brought in to help them get over the top and win a Super Bowl. It was the same with Kirk Cousins, and that's why I think we need to bring that up. Last time we had Matthew Collar on Purple Insider, he said the same thing. It's like, look, remember when the Vikings brought in Kirk Cousins? It wasn't to squeak into the wild card. It wasn't to play second fiddle in the division. It was to win a Super Bowl. It was to go all the way. It was to get over the hump. So now three or four years later, we can't say, oh, good job, Kirk Cousins. They won one game in the Superdome in the playoffs. Well, yes, but that's not why he was brought in. He was brought in to win a Super Bowl. That hasn't happened. That's why the Rams are bringing in Matthew Stafford. And that needs to be remembered. And you need to remember four first-round picks, two second-round picks, and three third-round picks. All for Matthew Stafford. And speaking about health, Sure, Dak's never healthy. Kyler's never healthy. You know, Stafford for years has always had that one injury. You get to week eight, and ever since week eight, you know, as we go throughout the season, well, remember, he hurt his thumb, and he hasn't quite been the same since. He's had that nagging back injury that's, you know, kept him slowed down and and given him issues since then. So be careful with the pot calling the kettle black here, because Matthew Stafford is all, he's the king of the nagging injury, where he keeps playing, but he plays really poorly and has an excuse. Right? That's that's Matthew Stafford. He's the king of the nagging injury that never really goes away. But it always impacts him just enough, and he always has the excuse. Again, I'm not trying to slander Matthew Stafford. He seems like a really nice guy, and he's an he's a good quarterback. But he's not better than any of those other guys that he's going to eventually have to win games against, probably on the road in the playoffs now that they've fallen behind in the division a little bit, and the Cardinals look legit. Let's go to the phones. I believe this is Mike in downtown Madison. Mike, what's up? Hey, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing swell. I got the Dave and Monona call out of the way with, so it's smooth sailing from here. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I heard him. Gotta love him, though. Gotta I love do. him. Oh, I love Dave. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, I was thinking about the Patrick Mahomes thing. I mean, I wouldn't even do that. Yeah. For all those picks? No way. No way. Because, I mean, like you said, if he goes back to his freak of nature playing, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, look at uh, – in. in Another injury-prone quarterback and is dangerous with the ball, but Carson Wentz. I, I mean, the Colts didn't give up anything to get him. Mm-hmm. Uh, a second, a second-round pick, um, and they just held their ground. They just said, "No, that's what we're willing to give up," and uh, that's it, man. That's all you get. So, um, not saying that Stafford, because I would probably take a Matthew Stafford over a Carson Wentz. Um, but even so, uh, you know, you're not. What has you know, other than the the most fourth quarter game winning drives yeah. um, out of any quarterback in the last probably ten years, Matthew Stafford has a because they've always been playing from behind in Detroit. Um, what other stat has he really given you in Detroit? And he hasn't had supporting cast. Yeah, let's be honest. But you know, was he worth all that Rams, all that Rams pickup? And let's let's not forget the fact they're still paying Jared Goff's salary. Oh, yeah. You know, they gave up all those picks. They're still paying his salary. That's it was not absorbed by Detroit. So um, it. I think everyone can agree, you know, it, I don't know if going all in like this is the way to go. Yeah. It's easy to say this the day after a tough loss like that. I'm not meaning to it pile is. on and jump, but, like, I think we've talked about this throughout the season. It's like, well, wait a minute. I don't know if Matthew Stafford is that guy, and I don't know if going all in is ever the best idea. That's not normally how football works. I, I'm with you there. I appreciate it, right. Mike. Hey, before I let you go, can I can I try a question out on you? I was thinking about maybe doing this for the next 10 minutes before we talk to Mike Clemens, because I heard this on another show today, and I thought it was interesting. Okay. On Sunday, when you watched the Packer game, 
Which injury worried you more about the Packers' chances to win a Super Bowl this year? Were you more worried about the Aaron Jones injury or the Rashawn Gary injury? Um, probably Gary. Okay. Um, I, I, and the reason I say this because I, I, I spoke on the show yesterday, and I think that their defense is the best defense I've seen since they won the Super Bowl. Um, I think it's very caliber of that clay math, you know, that yeah. type of defense. Um, very, very good, very sharp. They drafted the hell out of their secondary, man. I mean, just they Love did it. such a great job. Uh, they have fantastic corners, great safeties. And that linebacking core, you know, that we're talking about is is the is the core that's beat up right now. So I think that that, you know, that kind of worried me more because oh, we spoke yesterday, too. I think A.J. Dillon, I think he really brings that power running game. Um, and he's a great counter um, to the running back core. I I wouldn't worry about that, you know. Um, yeah. I think that we can run the ball. It's know? not. A, it's not ideal. So, um, I, Rashawn Gary is such a huge piece in there. Right now, they're a defensive first team, so I'm with you. Uh, I just wanted right. to see, like, if you thought that was a r- ridiculous question, maybe I put it away. But I think that's what we're going to talk about next. And Mike Clemens coming up at five no. thirty. Thank you, Mike. Good question. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. you being our guinea pig. Have a good night. <laughs> yeah, have a good one, man. You as well, Mike. Downtown Madison. Let's take a break. We'll talk about that. Aaron Jones or Rashawn Gary? Who's more important to this team? Because we both thought maybe they would be out. We thought with both of them, maybe they'd be out for the rest of the season. Doesn't look like the case. Let's talk about that coming up. Mike Clemens coming up as well. First, a break. Wisco Sports Show back after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show, as soon as I see a text from Alex, especially on a day where we're slandering L.A. teams, I know he's going to disagree. He's one of our resident L.A. fans. He says, well, he already beat Brady, and that game wasn't even close. Yeah, but, I don't know, individual regular season matchups don't always mean the the world, right? The, The Saints busted up Brady twice in the regular season last year, and then in the playoffs it was different. I'm not discounting. Brady is old. Stafford's arm is probably a little bit better right now at his age. But in the playoffs, if the Rams are a wild card, which right now they're poised to be, a lot could change by the end of the season. But the Cardinals are winning. The Cardinals lead the division, right? Do the Cardinals have head-to-head over the Rams? I believe they do so far. Did they get them earlier this year? I'm going to look. You're telling me that if the Rams are a wild card and they have to win three NFC playoff games, probably on the road, against three of these guys, Rodgers, Brady, Dak, Kyler Murray... Brady, oh, oh, I don't know. Yes, they did lose to the Cardinals, so that head-to-head already exists. 34-24 against the Bucks. Let's look at this box score, see if I can refresh myself here. Brady actually threw for 100 more yards in this game. Stafford had four touchdowns, but 100 less yards. This is interesting. I want to dig back through this game. I'm gonna, let me look at the team stats real quick here. First down's pretty even. Why don't I remember this game? Was this a Sunday night game? Do we remember? Let me look at the game cast. The time should be on here. I scroll down to the bottom. What was the 3 o'clock? It was the 3.30 game, September 26th. What, were, what was I doing where I don't really remember this game? It's nuts to think that we've already watched 10 weeks of this. It all does start to run together. Man, Deshaun Jackson had three catches for 120 yards. That's nuts. What an interesting game. 
But yeah, look, I don't, I don't discount head-to-head matters. Absolutely, the games matter, which is sometimes I think where college football loses me. It's like, well, Michigan State beat Michigan, but Michigan's higher in the rankings, right? The games have to matter. And Alex, I'm not discounting the fact that your Rams beat up on Tom Brady. Uh, that's a tall task, though. I think Matthew Stafford is, what, the fifth or sixth best quarterback in the NFC right now? Which is fine, but when you give up everything you give up for him and you put all your eggs in that basket and you have to go down that murderer's row of quarterbacks, I don't know. It's just a tough ask. It's a lot. And I'm not trying to slander Stafford today. It's not what I'm it's not what I'm trying to do. Uh, this says, hey, Grant. Ryan and Mineral Point here, by the way. I listened to you on the Zone 1670 and can barely get you when you come in now. Are there any other southern Wisconsin stations you're on? Um, uh, well, no. We have Eau Claire, Madison, and La Crosse. I don't think La Crosse would be able to get you. I would just pull up the stream. I would listen to the Zone app. I would listen to MadCitySportsZone.com. I, what I will actually do, I would download the Odyssey app, and you can listen to any of our affiliates on there anytime. That's what I would do. But no, there's no station as of yet. But should we expand? Maybe get down in PDC, Prairie du Chien, somewhere down in that area, although I don't know if that's much closer. I don't know. Dodgeville's down there in Spring Green. Another question or a question that I asked before the break, and maybe this is what I'll ask Mike Clevens, because a big story of Sunday's game was injuries, right? Yes, the Packers' defense looks good. It's looked good. Yes, Aaron Rodgers looked rusty. Well, that was partially expected. Yes, A.J. Dillon is good. He's a big, strong running back. And yes, it's snowing at Lambeau and the home field advantage, right? None of that shocked us. What I think the big storyline coming out of Sunday could have been, worst case scenario, is injuries. You lose maybe your most important player on offense in Aaron Jones. You lose maybe your most important player on defense right now, too, in Rashawn Gary. What a nightmare. What a terrible nightmare. Yeah, you beat the Seahawks 17 to nothing, but at what cost? Cost everything. Well, it looks like both of these guys are going to be back relatively soon. So this is the question. Go back on Sunday when we thought both of these guys were going to be out for the year. Which one worried you more? Which one scared you more? If you had to pick one, let's say on Sunday, you were told, hey, you're going to be without Aaron Jones and Rashawn Gary for the rest of the season. But I'm here to grant you a wish. I'm going to give you one of them. You can pick one to fix and have for the rest of the year. Which one would you take? Who's more important to this Packers team, Aaron Jones or Rashawn Gary? I think it's really interesting. It's definitely made more complicated by the fact that Zadarius Smith is already hurt and Whitney Merciless already got hurt. That complicates this. Kylan Hill's injury also complicates this, who is their third string running back. They drafted him in the seventh round to back up A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, and now he's not an option either. So outside conditions and context certainly matter to the importance of Rashawn Gary and Aaron Jones. Maybe this is the more important question. Maybe let's even zoom out further and not talk about Rashawn Gary versus Aaron Jones. Let's talk about offense versus defense. Is this Packers team not a defense first team right now? Aren't they winning through defense? Isn't this a defense first team? Well, if this is a defense first team, does that mean you want to protect your defensive players? Does that mean Rashawn Gary is more important than Aaron Jones now? Is the, this is the question. These are the things we have to consider. Maybe that's what I'll ask Mike Clemens coming up. Um, he's going to join us in a couple of minutes. Some cuts and some stories and some reactions from what he saw at Lambeau Field on Sunday in the snow. I'm really jealous that he got to be there for that scene. I'm not jealous that he had to drive and do all the work. That's the part of the Packer game that I was... That's the, <laughs> that's the hang-up for me. If you could have teleported me there to see the snow coming down in Lambeau, all right, I'm there. But if it's the driving and the working and everything else, uh, yeah, sorry, I'll... I'll sit, I'll sit on my couch. I'll watch from home. 
I guess I'm a lazy sports fan like that. Let's take a break. Think more about that because maybe we'll come back to this topic tomorrow. Rashawn Gary, Aaron Jones, in the grand scheme of things, who's more important to this Packers team and who averted the biggest disaster with their injury? Maybe we'll talk more about that as the week goes on. Right now, let's take a break. Get Mike Clements on the horn. He'll join us coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, my name is Grant Bills. A quick baseball note before we get started. The manager of the league has been announced, or manager of the year. Which, of course, baseball would drop that at, I guess it's 5.30. It's getting late on a Wednesday. Uh, Gabe Kapler is your manager of the year. He got 28 first-place votes, but only one second-place vote. I I thought the second-place votes were a big deal. I remember when Craig Council got the most first-place votes, but not enough seconds in 2019. So we ended up losing to Mike Schilt, who's now been fired. That Yeah, that's right. That's how that ended. What a joke. It's the dumbest voting system ever. Whatever. Craig Council, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Uh, our bride, our number one, our ringer, Mike Clemens, joining us now on the Talk and Text Line. Talk a little bit about Sunday's shutout win over the Seahawks. Mike, you got to be at the game under the lights. It was snowing. The scene looked awesome. Yeah, I really thought, though, Council was favored. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I get it. The Giants were a surprise. They won more games than the Brewers. I, I'm not surprised. I'm just salty about 2019 still, so I just always bring that up. Another week for the Packers uh, and another uh, horrible uh, injury. I think that they're really missing Robert Tunyon right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think you and I have talked before that Josiah DeGora was off to a fast start last year before his ACL. And when he started coming back a, a month or more or so ago, we had a couple of interviews with him, and I just thought, man, this, this guy's confidence isn't there yet. And just a few things I saw in practice – and the few times he was getting on the field. And he had a couple of catches the other night against the Seahawks, but he also had a couple of more miscues as well. And, you know, he had that one bad play against the Chiefs. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was LaFleur said, hey, you know, I put I, I called the wrong play for a guy who hadn't even had a chance to rep that. So, you know, that's on me. But I think they're kind of hurting at that receiver-type tight end position, you know, that Rodgers is going to miss Tunyon. And now this Whitney Merciless, uh, I was so big on this guy getting signed. He is so impressive in person. Rodgers was excited that he was coming on, and he was going for a second sack the other night, and then you saw him, the way he's holding his arm, and, you know, these bicep injuries, man. You know, Lane Lane Taylor had one, the former, uh, you know, guard for the Packers, and it's a brutal injury. It takes a really long rehab. His season's over with. He turns 32 next summer. Who knows, maybe that was his last down against Seattle. So today, this afternoon, there's this uh, Tipa Nalia, yeah. who's been on the practice squad like the last couple of years. They brought him up to the active roster today to help out with that outside linebacker thing. But, you know, you're going into this next week against the Vikings with basically Preston Smith and then Jonathan Garvin, you know, uh, yeah. before you get Zedarius back and all that. Uh, the other thing is... Uh, at running back, now that Aaron Jones will be out a couple of weeks, um, uh, or two, three weeks, I think, with the sprained MCL, um, you're going to count on A.J. Dillon, mm-hmm. Patrick Taylor, who I, I like. You know, to me, A.J., you, you had Kylan Hill was a speed guy like Aaron Jones, and then you got the two big body guys like A.J. Dillon 
and Patrick Taylor, but it is November, so you know that that's good to have him along. And guess what? Today the Packers worked out the former Lion Carryon Johnson. I love that. Today. I saw that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What, what, what that's saying is we need to get somebody to replace one of these speed guys, like a Kylan Hill, you know, or Aaron Jones, while he's out. So yeah. And there was a there was a point in the game uh, Sunday night against the Seahawks where A.J. Dillon wasn't quite getting through and and getting kind of stuffed. And he talked about how LaFleur still went to him on a third and one, and he converted. And as, as big as Quadzilla is, A.J. Dillon, he talked about how much that helped his confidence. felt really good, uh, you know, just that I had that trust uh, from the coaches and, you know, the guys in the huddle to get my number called again in that situation. You know, for me... Uh, you know, I hate any any running back. You know, you hate getting stopped. Um, so it was good to get back out there and get him, get the chains moving, get a touchdown in those short um, short yard situations. You know, really kind of feeling like I belong. I feel like that's something that's been building each week, especially this year. You know, even when I had a bad game or when I messed up, being able to bounce back, um, I kind of have that next play mentality. That's something that honestly I wasn't the greatest with. I'm still working on, but you know, having chances where you know things don't go my way and then kind of self correcting. I think practicing that has helped me. You know, keep building my confidence throughout. Man, Aaron Jones, or not Aaron Jones, but A.J. Dillon getting contacted in the backfield and still having to fight through to pick up that first down, those extra, you know, yard or two or three yards. He was doing that against Kansas City, too. He's just buying them extra yards. And when this offense is slogging along and struggling to convert, he's been huge for them the last couple of weeks, Mike. And on the 50-yarder, Grant, you know, he catches <laughs> that short pass, but you get that dude in open field, nobody wants to deal with that. No. Nobody wants to deal with that freight train coming down the line like that. You know, that's a thing of beauty, particularly when you get into November and December football. So, uh, as I uh, have told these guys before, a note to all the young broadcasters out there that want to cover the Packers, mm-hmm. try and catch Matt LaFleur on a day where he didn't get much sleep. And that was last night, <laughs> <laughs> where he had a late game, and he was probably in there at 5 in the morning watching the tape. So he's, when he's tired, he opens up. He starts saying stuff that normally he doesn't. And he was talking about when he puts together that play sheet, you know, here he had Aaron Rodgers who hadn't practiced, really seriously practiced, uh, full out since they were getting ready for the Redskins game, the, you know, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And he talks about he had, to, he had to put together a menu of plays, but he's got certain plays that he calls beaters. So, like, you know, you got your first down plays, your second down plays, your third down plays. But, you know, it's like third down, okay, that defense usually runs either one of these three defenses, depending on this position of the field, i got to come up with at least seven or eight plays that are absolutely will work. They'll be the complete opposite of what they're showing. And he talks about how he had to construct that for the game on Sunday night against the Seahawks. So typically we have about a set number of plays that we're going to install, because you always want to have enough if, if a team gives you maybe something that you're not expecting. So you got to have different beaters. So as far as a volume standpoint, I would say that it, it was as normal as always. We had the same number of plays we, we typically carry. I think the one thing that we're mindful of is just having some of those game plan specific plays or new ads where we were cautious about too, putting too much of that in without him getting those reps in practice to feel comfortable with those plays. It was weird how many 
four wide receiver sets they were lining up in, Mike. Is that something you noticed yeah. on Sunday? And is did that get brought up? I, I don't know. The last two weeks, the Packers won, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers, and I know they lost mostly because Jordan Love just wasn't there. I think they win that going away with Rodgers in Kansas City, but it seems like LaFleur has changed it up a little bit or been unexpected the last two weeks in the way that he's planned his offense. Right, and when he did that, I thought, okay, he thought uh, he and Aaron Rodgers think they're going to try and get a, a receiver and a linebacker matchup. That's what they're looking for when they do that. But that they must have thought that somebody after Bobby Wagner was, you know, going to be weak, and they could look for that matchup. Sure. The other thing that's going on with the with Lafleur, and particularly his offense right now. We just talked about Aaron Jones' sprained knee. You got uh, Rashawn Gary with the hyperextended elbow. Is he going to try and go with a brace? And you and you lose merciless for the rest of the season. Not to mention. On Monday morning, guys are coming in for treatments, and they're hobbling. I mean, it's week 11, yeah. and you're still two weeks away from your bye. Dudes are banged up and bruised, and they need a break. And at the same time, you got you, you might want to get in 70 plays in tomorrow's practice because there's stuff you want to brush up on, things you want to pull back from the playbook that maybe you haven't addressed in a month or two, depending on what you're going to face with the Vikings. So LeFleur's talking about this balance of be, between reviewing the playbook trying to get in reps, and yet, you know, you don't want to overwork these guys as they're trying to get their bodies back. That's the trick right now. And I think, you know, when we have, I don't even know what, what week are we going on. I feel like it's, uh, yeah, week 11. <laughs> it, without, a, you know, without a buy, it just, it does get long. So that is going to be a challenge, I think, for us in terms of how do you make make it so that we're getting what we need from a from a actual practice standpoint but yet keeping everybody fresh and um so we can fly around because the the speed is absolutely one thing that can benefit you and the more you practice sometimes it it takes away from that so you you want guys healthy you want to be able for them to go out there and fly around i think one thing that uh we were kind of just talking about in terms of when we are doing our walkthroughs you know which more of a uh I guess jog through type tempo is just making sure that we are absolutely precise in everything we do from the footwork, whether you're a lineman, receiver, quarterback, running back, tight end, it doesn't matter. Just making sure everything is so precise in those types of settings because it is slowed down. We should be absolutely perfect, not only assignment wise, but technique wise as well. And that's one thing that we got to make sure, I think, as a coaching staff we got to make sure that we're getting that stuff done in those types of settings. Mike, you've gone through the season many times with the Packers, the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs. So the bye can be early, it can be in the middle, it can be late. It seems to me, and I'm not complaining about this because I get it, it seems like the bye's never in the right spot. It's either too early and it's not good, or it's too late and you're trying to get there. Can you speak to how the bye is perceived differently, maybe season by season based on where it is, from what you hear in press conferences and from coaches? I, I just know whether it's like week six or week thirteen or whatever. Yeah, it, it's 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 uh it's land. You've been out lost at sea, sure, and you see a mirage, and you finally think you're seeing land. It's always welcomed because whether you went through a tough training camp, those or when people you know in September, those guys are really flying around, and you're still trying to get your body into football shape, and things, and there's a lot of wild, really crazy, bad gruesome injuries and then about october 
you know, that you, you start feeling like a football player, and you you know you're going to have some nicks. But it just seems like the the major injuries tend to go down a little bit because guys get into the groove, and 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 they they all play at the right speed, and they, and they keep on talking about the players always talk about the flow of the game, but whatever. Um, if this is a team that wants to get to the postseason, yeah, they could use a bye week any time now yeah. before they have to play a second half season and a 17-game schedule. Now, one guy who plays is injured is like Chris Barnes with the big club on his hand in the NFC Championship game. But they were so desperate for you know somebody that they thought that was competent at inside linebacker. Well, Devondre Campbell, man, that's the pickup of the year. Good Lord. You know, he's played so well for them, and they really like him in the locker room. They picked him up around mandatory minicamp weekend in June. And then Chris Barnes, 51, with the killer shot that, uh, that, that prevented the touchdown against the Chiefs and flying around, around the other night. And Joe Barry talked about this guy who you know went to high school with Jordan Love. That's how far back those guys go. And why he thinks Chris Barnes is always so hungry for the next play. When you're an undrafted guy, you, you're 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 behind the eight ball a little bit. You got to do a little bit more and a little bit extra with everything. And um, you know, KB is still in that mold where you know he's only a second year guy. And I, I think, to me, that's what makes Chris Barnes really special. Is that a lot of times it's so easy, you know? Oh man, I made the team. I can relax. Well, as a rookie last year, he never relaxed. He just kept fighting and kept scratching and kept improving. Um, even, you know, going into his second year, oh, man, he's got a new coordinator. He's got to learn a new system. He's basically starting at square one again. Um, and he's the type of kid that's just come in and battled and, and scratched and clawed. Um, you know, we signed Dre. Um, you know, then, uh, you know, we, we signed some other players. We draft some other players. And he's just every day. He's he's the same. He's working. He's grinding. He's getting better. He's just you know trying to improve his craft. And that that's what I love about the kid is that he just he he's a tireless worker. And really, as as I've been here as long as I have been, I really get to see the respect that he's earned from all the veteran players on on both sides of the ball. That that's that's really probably the most impressive thing that I've been able to see with with Chris Barnes is the way his teammates view him and the way his teammates you know, look at him um, as a guy, as a leader. And in, again, you're talking about a, a young second-year guy that was not drafted. It seems like everybody, and speaking to Darnell Savage and what he said last week, everybody understands this defense. They're more confident in their assignment. They're executing. Does that make it easier for those guys to just go out and play and hit harder and run faster? Because I see that with Savage, and I see that with these linebackers. This is just a more confident defense. Good recall on your part, because I asked Kevin King that same thing after the game Sunday night. And you know what? These guys are following their assignments, and they trust that the second and third string guy that they bring in, that Joe Barry's got them assignments sure. They understand what they're supposed to do, and they stick to it. And suddenly, the Green Bay Packers have the third-best ranked defense in the NFL, and Joe Barry was asked about that. You know, and I really don't, I don't, I don't get into the, the whole rankings thing. I learned this from, from Monty Kiffin years ago that he used to say the, the worst words you can ever say as a player or coach is, yeah, I got it. Meaning like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, you know, I, I got it. You don't need to tell, you know, cause I don't think, I don't think you ever, you could be in a system for, you know, years. You, you never really hear stories of, of Bill Walsh always talking about Joe Montana 
in the 12th year of that system, the first day of OTAs, he was sitting there front and center with his notebook out and his pen, you know, taking notes on the standard, you know, first day installation like it was the first time he'd heard it and it was the 12th time he heard it, you know. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't think you can ever have that mindset. Um, and that's, you know, I, I brag on our guys all the time because I, I, I believe it. They, uh, it's, it's their, you know, our process, our weekly process that we, that we start on Wednesday every week. And they come in and um, they're, they're, you know, obviously every game plan, every offense that you defend is subtly different every week. So there's subtle game plan tweaks that happen. But I think that's been the great thing with every single one of our guys Starters, starters, and waiting. All of them, you know, they they attack every week and they approach every week like it's you know the first time they've heard something. Is Joe Barry doing a better job teaching his players? I get that there's scheme differences. I keep hearing that they can stop the run without bringing up extra bodies, so they're both stopping the run and playing coverage, and that's different from what Petten did. But it just seems like everyone on this defense is a slightly better, more confident version of themselves. Is Joe Barry a better teacher? Does he explain things differently? What do you see that, that maybe makes that the case, Mike? I think he's putting guys in positions that they're good at or, or in assignments that they're good at okay. as opposed to you know going up against the grain. I mean, how many times did you see uh, Petten saying, you know, playing chess and moving players in and out because he had to have the perfect defense out there, and in the meantime, end up with 12 men on the field. Yeah, of course. Or you end up with defensive backs <laughs> that are pointing at each other. Yeah. And I think he's also letting his position coaches have more say, like Jerry Gray, who's been a hell of a pickup. That you know, Jerry Gray was with the Vikings when that defense was at their peak three, four years ago with Harrison Smith and Xavier Rhodes and all that. Mm-hmm. And now he's bringing in guys off the street like Rasul Douglas. Who looks like a legit, you know, starting corner? And so we asked Jerry Gray, "How's he got Rasul Douglas to play, you know, at this level?" To me, I think sometimes it just clicks for guys. You know, uh, I, I remember being around uh, Andrew Sandejo. You know, he was the same way. This guy, he couldn't be on a team. He couldn't make a team. There's two or three teams, four teams. The next thing you know, you know, my deal is put a guy in a position what he can do best, and I don't ask him to do more than what they can do. And that's the same thing what I see with Rizul is that he's a professional guy. He watches a lot of film. He's in here at 7.30 at night still watching film where guys are gone. You know, and obviously he must be a single guy. But at the end of the day, understanding what his role is and what he can do. You know, I'm not asking you to be a 10-2 guy, go out, play all the man-to-man and be an oppressed guy. I'm going to let you do what you do best. And then we're going to play the defense around him. He's a really quiet guy. You know, he, he doesn't talk a lot. You know, he, 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 he expresses his things in the meetings, but he's not a big rah-rah guy. He's more laid-back, mild-mannered. But on the football field, he plays. You know, he plays like a guy that, hey, look, my hair is on fire. You may not see it in my actions off the field, but on the field, you see it all the time. And that, that's what I really like about him. He's, he reminds me of a professional football player. Hey, look, it's a business to me. I'm doing my job. I'm going to put time in. And then when it's time for me to go play, I'm going to go play. He says it just clicks for guys. Do you think that's the case for this team, Mike, to zoom out and the last thing we got time for? I just think even with the injuries, week by week by week, this defense looks more confident. This team looks more confident, even as they're plugging in players that aren't as good. Is it just something about this team this year where it just clicks? Like maybe last year it wouldn't work this way with all these players, and maybe it won't work next year. But this year, the mojo is just right where even if Rasul Douglas has got to play some snaps, it's just working. It's just clicking. I think at the end of the day, 
there's a balance. Do you do you go by the do you bring in the player with the great measurables, sure. or you bring in the player who is going to be a student of the game is going to try hard, and you try and find the balance between those two, and I think Goody demands on doing that. And Ted was a little that way too. Sure. Goody will probably let some of these guys with you know the measurables come in that may have a little bit of a character thing, but at the end of the day. You've got some sort of an environment there where Lafleur has got these guys playing for each other. You've got key positions where you've got leaders like Mercedes Lewis for the tight ends, and you know on and on and on. Mm-hmm. But you know, a guy like Rasul Douglas comes in. He played for the Eagles on a team that went to the Super Bowl, and he's like, okay, these guys are serious. These guys are so he's there till seven o'clock at night studying, and he's buying in, and that makes all the difference on Sunday when it comes to being the Simon Sure. This is awesome. So, Mike, are we going to talk again on Thursday? i got to let you go, but are we going to have a conversation going into the Vikings? I can't believe they haven't played the Vikings yet, so we get to talk about that coming up on Sunday. Yeah, and I'll be reporting live from Minnesota after the game with Bill, and, you know, you're, the show's next week, and tonight I'm looking for an exciting tape of how the Vikings beat the Chargers, <laughs> and then we'll preview that on the show 530. Yeah, did that, did that result surprise you when you saw it Sunday? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah, we can talk more about the Vikings on Thursday. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Grant. Yeah, you got it. Mike Clemens, at Mike Clemens NFL on Twitter. Let's take one final break, wrap up the Wisco Sports Show, coming up after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.